0: Hello, and welcome to the uh, Paizo Art of Paizo panel. Uh, I'm Sonia Morris, the Managing Art Director.
1: I'm Adam Adam Vick, I was primarily the Art Director for a variety of Starfinder products, but I've been moving a little bit more into uh, marketing and doing some of the animated trailers for our APs and other video work.
2: Uh, I'm Kent Hamilton I'm uh, one of the art directors and the concept artist
0: so uh, today group. we're gonna we're gonna start out looking at some of our favorite pieces from the year um, starting with some Pathfinder art and then moving into some Starfinder art so let's look at the first slide so this is a uh, Artwork from the Ancestry Guide, and um, I just really love the way that we've started reconcepted, I guess, the catfolk. I think they really, really look great now. I love that they're more cat-like and less kind of weird, pudgy. I don't even know what they were before. These they look really great now, so I'm very excited about that. Um, of course, a Suli and a uh, ratfolk, which looks. He looks a little nasty, but yeah, also great. Cool. So it's very cool. <laughs> the
1: cat has really um, good feline features. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like
0: cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very cool. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's move to the next slide. Let's. Uh, this, so this is uh, art from the Mwangi Expanse, um, which was nice to work on. we, we got to sort of get more colorful with our art and really expand um the races and how we cover ethnicities and just really uh there's some very cool artwork in this book so i'm i'm very exciting yeah it's gorgeous Um, the
1: whole book is just filled with so much awesome stuff
0: i know right yeah it's it's just so cool um so, okay, so let's go to the next slide. This is mm-hmm. art from Bestiary 3. Um, oh, basically, cool. I, it was so hard to pick my favorite three pieces from that because there's so much really good art in it. Yeah. <laughs> like there's some really cool pieces in it.
2: Um, no, that crocodile guy is amazing. Yeah,
1: do you I do remember, know, right? I'm like, like comparing, looking at his outfit and it's like kind of like a pirate, it's kind of like renaissance-y looking, like I'm trying to figure out, do you remember at all what the prompt was with that, like what, hit, what or what? Uh, I, I don't
0: trouble? remember, ex- yeah. I don't exactly remember the um, directive, but, um, you know, it's a crocodile, so, you know, he was human, or she was human, and then yeah. they've transformed into this, so yeah, it's very, very, just so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that yeah. uh, clockwork clockwork dragging is just amazing. The detail on it is just amazing.
1: Yeah. So, so
0: yeah. So, uh, yeah. let's uh, yeah, go to the next slide.
1: Very good beasties to drop into your game, for sure.
0: Right, yeah. So, uh, this is a piece that I ordered for Agents of Edgewatch. Um, and I just... <laughs> I love the little detail of him holding the feathers in his tail. <laughs> it's like so like kind of weird, but also like the just the detail of it is I don't know, it's so cool to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you remember what the what the feathers are supposed to represent. I almost feel like it's like a bunch of quills. Like he's gonna be writing you up. I I, <laughs> I believe that is exactly
0: what why they were why, why they are there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, where are all the pots, though? That's... <laughs>
0: yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's move to the next one. We've got some uh, art from the Fists of the Ruby Phoenix. Um, and this is... Uh, wow. So you can see our swashbucklers being chased by a giant spider and a uh, very angry dinosaur. Yeah. Um, and this is just really—he's really one of my favorite artists to work with. His name is Christoph Peters, and I just—I had to show a piece of his work because yeah, it's just so it's awesome.
1: Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, the textures are amazing on it. The colors look so good
0: too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The spy, even the spider being in the background, and but it's still so detailed and so great. I just—it's so beautiful to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's just really interesting, like depth of field without losing any sort of. Uh, of the detail by pushing things into shadow is really cool.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So that ends the uh, Pathfinder. Now we're going to move into some Starfinder. I'm going to let Adam take over.
1: Oh, okay. Um, So this was a piece from uh, Devastation Arc. And I just really loved just like this crazy ice world. Kind of had a little bit of a hoth feel to it. Um, and also these, um, this was kind of the introduction to the Stivs that were kind of the big bad in this uh, volume. And I believe Kent, right? You concepted um, kind of yeah. how the Stivs look, didn't you? Yeah.
2: Yeah. It, it was one of my first projects uh, once I was on staff and they just gave me a bunch of like, I think it was a horseshoe crab and a starfish and a spider and all, a scorpion and all these different things. And they're like, can you do something with this? And, uh, <laughs> that's, that's where the sieve came from.
1: Yeah. They look really, really cool. It's kind of interesting, like, you know, their body shapes and then trying to give them armor and then a weapon to make them functional. But, uh, I think it all came together and I just really love like the on here and just the general battle um, scene mm-hmm. I just thought it turned out pretty good and so that was like probably one of the last or first pieces ordered for the Devastation Arc volume which was done last year so that kind of started from last con till now um, and this was done by Exploit uh, Studio who are a great team that we work with for a variety of our products. Um, we can go on to the next slide now. Oh, yeah. So this is just kind of a cross section yeah. of uh, different, uh, different bad guys and various NPCs within the uh, fly free or die adventure path. And um, one, I really love the guy with the flamethrower. He's a part of uh, the Golden League. He's a Golden League hitman. And I just really thought the action and the lighting was done really well on him. Um, And then we have kind of uh, one of the guys uh, from a Callistocrat. And he's uh, essentially uh, kind of undead, but then also like a weird silicone android. just oh, a cool, cool combination here. Yeah, and then we got uh, one of the Lost Pirates. And this, uh, this just kind of gives a good cross-section of all the different um, lower-level enemies and characters that you could can encounter in the Fly Free or Adventure Path. And this was done by an artist named Renan Roberto. And uh, he does really good work. And I just really love these characters that he did. Um, so if you haven't had a chance yet to check them out, you should. Because this is a, a very cool AP that has a, a lot of different cross sections of um, different types of characters and, and adventures and smuggling and yeah, just kind of hits a lot of the uh, bases of uh, spacefaring fantasy. I think um, we can go on to the next one. Ah, and this is just um this is a corporation opener. With, um, we got Abdar Corp here, and um, I just really like, because this kind of just shows, you know, uh, a city, kind of an escape, a little Blade Runner-esque, but I think it's been pushed into its own thing as well. And I just really love kind how... a
2: cool you know, establishing shot.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I just think that there's a lot, you know, the setting in Starfinder is so diverse and so huge, and there's just can be so many different things, but I really like this kind of just nitty gritty technological, you know, cityscape. And I thought it did a good good job of kind of immersing you and giving you an idea of where some of these, uh, like the corporations, the more grounded um, parts of Starfinder, you know, they also have a place in these worlds. And even though this is a little bit fantastical, it's, it's not too far off from something that, you know, is in our near future, maybe. So. Yeah, totally. It's the atmosphere yeah.
0: is amazing. It's
1: great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so another thing for the fly free or die adventure path that I just think does a good job of kind of helping establish and immerse you in that world. Um, we can uh, go on to the next one. Ooh, these guys. These characters. So this was from, uh, this was Parso... Part of also what I help order is, you know, maybe you guys have read uh, some of the web fiction that we've been doing and um, for Starfinder and for Pathfinder. And so these guys were some of the characters for uh, the Misery's Company uh, fiction and just really loved how this crew turned out. Had a really good vibe to them. Uh, The artist, uh, Valerie Dryzek she did an excellent job. Um, Really loved the uplifted bear. And, you know, of course, the Soki, the Shirin, and it was just like a diverse, but really good representation of these races and types of characters. And each one of them in the story has a cool little background to them. And I thought that she did a really good job kind of representing them, and just giving you an idea of like a ragtag space crew and uh, with, uh, with our Starfinder characters and races. And... Um, yeah, so if you haven't seen any or read any of these uh, short novellas fiction, you can subscribe to them, and um, you get a good story, and I believe a lot of these characters have stats, and you can incorporate them, and it's just a cool little project. And uh, this was the ship that um, went along with them, and just another, this was by Franklin Chan, and just a cool, you know, just another cool little ship within the Starfire Starfinder world, and just another representation of, you know, the wide variety of different things out there, and this is their little skiff that they're having to shoot around on. So, thought it was a good representation. And um, I think we got one more. Oh yeah, and uh, this is the last. This was uh, also for a while. I was uh, doing the um, organized play stuff, and here is a cross section of characters from some of the uh, newer scenarios. And these were done by sebastian rodriguez another uh, awesome guy that we have that works on a variety of stuff for us and i just thought this was a cool section we got an ice devil here and we have um idra prex who is kind of like an alien scholar and just has a, a really cool feeling to him and then we got the uh briany briannery <laughs> otter race which i love these guys are awesome and even though he looks a little bit more like a scholar, like I would think. But, um, you know, you never know what you're going to get and how these guys turn out sometimes. And some are a little more fearsome looking than others, but they might have a, you know, a, a more they're not as evil as they may look. It kind of goes back and forth sometimes. But uh, I just thought this was a really cool cross representation of some of the uh, encounters and people and uh, different people or different races that will help you out and uh, Starfinder Society. So you guys can uh, kind of check these guys out if you haven't with that too. So yeah, I think those are all my slides, just kind of giving a good uh, representation of the different types of art and characters across the different uh, different products.
0: Yeah, so now I think what we'll do is we'll move into the uh, video that Kent made of himself drawing Uh, what you guys voted on. So I don't know, Kent, do you want to kind of talk about what ended up winning and all that?
2: So uh, with all the adjectives, the words that won were fiend, wings, freezing, and smoky. Uh, So uh, trying to figure out this concept, uh, fiend and wings, you know, are kind of the big influencers and freezing ends up being sort of you know, inspiration for color, as well as general aesthetic. And then smoky is almost uh, a tertiary sort of aspect that, like, helps bring this thing to life. Um, As you can see in the drawing right here, uh, I'm not spending too much time designing a story for this thing as much as just considering a composition, Uh, you know, how it's going to sit on the page, you know, it being a creature i'm trying to sell more its anatomy than anything uh you know it doesn't really have a costume or mm-hmm. anything like that to help with the storytelling so i'm really just thinking about uh you know how to make this thing cool with a bunch of wings and spikes and horns and uh and how to make it fiendish um so this is pretty typical uh for how i get started with a kind of a one-run illustration um, It's just drawing out all of my different ideas. Uh, you know, I typically try and do at least three, because your first idea is uh, not often your best one. Um, and as you draw, like you pick up more ideas from like, you know, maybe I drew a line here and that's inspiring a whole different idea. Let me explore that now in a different drawing. So I'm just doing really quick sketches uh to try and get an idea of like what this thing could look like um at this point i decided you know i re- it being a, an ice fiend i wanted it to be really thin and skeletal because i thought that looked very uh cold and icicle like um and then i'm also considering like how the smoke could play into it and so i went with my second idea you can see me here just organizing some of my files <laughs> uh, and uh, I turn down the opacity, and I just start drawing over it with uh, with uh, just a finer pass at what this thing should look like for its details.
1: I really love um, that you went through a couple iterations before you settled on this one here. I think
2: that oh yeah, a well, sense. I mean, the iterative process is it, is so important to me too because, like, you know, say I draw something three different ways. And I end up liking you know, my second drawing, like I did here. There might have been something in the third drawing that I can reincorporate into this drawing instead. And I I, I never would have considered it, or seen it, or yeah. uh, thought of it had I not done that third drawing. Um, I ended up picking this one mostly hey, because I thought it was going to sit well on the page.
0: Hey, Kent, we've got a question yeah. for you. Uh, do you do warm-up sketches before do you do work like this?
2: Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes ideations because uh, it, ideations are typically at the start of any process for me. Um, doing concepts, so they're such quick drawings that uh, they end up being the warm-up. Uh, I don't usually spend like an hour drawing a whole illustration or uh, doing anything like that. I draw so consistently that. I'm usually warmed up one day to the next. Um, it, it's funny, actually, within my schedule, just on Mondays, I I usually spend a little more time doing a warm up sketch, just because like, two days of the weekend has slowed me down. But yeah, uh, I actually uh, I don't keep a sketchbook really anymore, just because I'm drawing so much for work, and uh, I don't know, you guys keep me busy enough that like I'm just drawing all the time. <laughs>
1: a good problem to have
2: yeah a very good problem to have some would say it's not a problem at all
1: (laughs) i love this you know like i was saying with you earlier like i purposely didn't want to watch or see any of this either just so i could see it come to life like everybody else right now so this is it's cool to see since i since i usually get to see all your end work you know so it's kind of cool to be able to watch your problem
2: like this too well, it's just with like any of Wayne's work, like, you know, I love his final stuff, but his sketch work is like the stuff I really get excited to see because it's, I, I, totally. you start to see somebody's thought process in that, not just, you know, their rendering ability. Exactly. Uh, speaking well, of rendering, think... well, oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just agreeing with you on that, just that, um... yeah. That's it's kind of a window a little bit more into yeah, into their mind, into kind of who they are a little bit, and you get to see how that idea, you know, comes into being, which is is pretty cool if you're interested in the artistic process.
2: So just to catch people up on what we're doing or what I'm doing here in this point of the drawing is I selected the entire silhouette of the creature uh, and filled it in. That way when it goes into a book. It uh, is fully figured out, you know, uh, and, and none of the, the page from the book is showing through. It's always going to be color that is in the background, um, which is something that I, I try and always start that way. And then I went into uh, figuring out where the shadows are because that helps figure out the, the form of the overall shape. And it starts to help with the storytelling. So you can see the colors are inspired by the fact that this thing is a, a freezing fiend.
0: So in this video, you're working in Photoshop. Do you pretty much always work in Photoshop, or do you use anything else?
2: Uh, pencil and paper. Photoshop, pencil and paper. <laughs> that's that's and, where I live. And are
0: you you're using a, you're using a stylus, right? You're not using a mouse
2: yeah i use a a cintiq a lot of people really enjoy using uh wacom's intuos which is like a separate tablet and you look at your own monitor and you draw off to the side um because i spent my entire life drawing one-to-one uh the cintiq is really nice because it gives you that one-to-one feedback with what you're drawing right in front of you you know where your hand is is where the mark is going down so i played around with uh like procreate on ipad and i that's a really fun way of working um it's uh it's got its uh, its bonuses like you know you can work at a cafe and work um you don't always have to change your desk yeah Yeah. uh but I, i i'm just so experienced in photoshop now that like nothing's faster for me Um, yeah,
1: I've tried my so, around with Procreate a bit too, and it's it's good. But there's just so many. Once you get used to so many of those commands in Photoshop, it's kind of hard to. I I've, I I've, I've found myself air handing commands on Procreate on the iPad, and nothing happening.
2: Oh you know, so. my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> when when I was first learning Photoshop, I would find myself drawing in my sketchbook, and you know doing Command Z all the time, and getting really disappointed that you know that last line I drew. <laughs> didn't disappear.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Sony, I think I maybe um, interrupted you. Yeah. I
0: was just gonna say we've got a question about um, how long this drawing took you in real time.
2: Uh yeah, so I marathoned this one. <laughs> um which usually it's it's funny if i if i work on a painting without breaks it usually is a lot faster because i don't come back to it later and see all the things that i hate about it and try and redo the whole thing uh so this one was probably about like three and a half four hours um that that's pretty fast for me actually uh i think it has everything to do with the fact that this is uh uh just a monster and not um you know something with a lot of intricate Clothing or uh, like you know, secondary light sources or anything like that. Um, it's just rendering ice flesh. Right. Okay. And so, as I'm painting, I'm also just a, a big part of what I'm trying to consider is, you know, what is the texture of this thing and, you know, how does the color move around it? How can I bring out uh, interesting details by pushing contrast or like pushing other things into shadow? um and also just thinking about like the, the anatomy of it and how to sell the idea that this thing is an actual moving living breathing creature so like giving it lots of folds in its neck so you can uh help see that it it's articulated there or uh giving a uh, indication to uh, having anatomy in its skull it's similar to humans where you have a really pronounced zygomatic arch across the cheekbone and like uh, also making it fantastical so it has glowing eyes that fit in these sunken holes in its head. Um, it's all just, you know, storytelling in every different aspect.
1: Kent, for part of your process for this, out of curiosity and I don't see it, do you ever do like a digital palette off to the side that you're turning off and on? Or are you just pulling all your lights and darks from the gradient that you already laid down and that you've been building
2: up on? uh so the i use so the first thing i did was i put down that gradient a lot of what i'm doing is staying within the realm of that gradient specifically for something uh-huh. like this um you can see in the upper right that's my what is it hue saturation uh value palette and so okay. if i need to push to a dark i'll go in there and and push to a dark uh or what what I really try and never do in a painting is use true black or true white. Uh, I always try and make it some form of color. So like you can see, anytime I'm putting a highlight in there, it it goes all the way to the top because that's where all the bright brights are, um, and usually not too saturated because you know highlights tend to be blown out by light. So you don't get really strong saturation except for where it connects with shadow. Uh, uh, Other than that, yeah, like for this painting, there's no like secret tertiary colors I'm putting in here. It stays pretty much within the realm of what you see. Uh, Oftentimes I'll put in like uh, an unexpected color in an area that needs to uh, kind of be pushed forward. And in this case, I, instead of doing that, I just took colors from opposite sides. So like you see in his eyeball and his tongue, you have that kind of Purplish pink brought over to the other side to bring interest over there, uh, but also as a way of kind of keeping the whole painting cohesive and look like it all belongs to the same creature. Totally. So a lot of what I'm doing now in the rendering, too, is just like uh, figuring out some of the shadow around that knee, trying to create levels and depth by putting things, you know, in front and behind of like the knee and the wing and, and the wing. On one side is going behind the knee, and you know the little spike from the wing is going in the front, just as a way of creating some dimension in how is, how this thing sits in space, but also to give an idea of motion uh yeah, you know things that have a lot of layers really help with uh giving a sense of motion, even though it's just a stagnant two d illustration
1: well you can kind of see like the muscles being formed and the tension in there, and like you know like he is. Just about to, you know, leap into action, or he's in made action like that. So I think that is doing yeah. a good job of bringing that up. Would you say that you set your like what the lighting sources in the upper left, kind of coming down on him, on to the top of the head and back, or do you think you
2: yeah
1: kind of setting up multiple it, source here? Like it,
2: uh, it's it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit of a cheated light source, so it's a little bit. Up and to the right, you can see on his his back, well, right arm. There's a cast uh-huh. shadow there from his left arm and from his neck. Yeah. Um, it's just a really easy light source to work with. Uh, it also sits really nicely on a page because uh, it allows what you're painting to look like it's blending into the page or on the edges a lot of the time. Um, at, at least within hard books where we have kind of a tan white background. Uh, yeah. So what you see right here is I completely deleted one of the wings because I just really wanted to focus on what the silhouette of this wing up here looked like. And I was getting a little lost in the weeds with uh, uh, the two wings, you know, where does one stop or does the other start? And so I just got rid of it completely and I'll I'll bring it back later. But what I wanted to do is actually just design the shape of this thing um mm-hmm. because every every individual part it's one of the things that i tell a lot of the artists that i hire is you know make sure that you give just as much attention to the feet of this thing and do storytelling there as you do it in the face uh you know ev- everything is an opportunity so use yeah. every opportunity you have
1: this sort of like, really hey you sorry, know I, you, have... I just see a... you too actually um that this kind of relates to a little bit of what you're talking about. Somebody is asking, uh, do you have to take any steps to adapt your colors or contrast to print media as compared to any normal digital art? So I guess, you know, like, what do you think, um, if, if you know that something is just going to be living digitally, do you have any things that you, you know, kind of work on more if you, if you know it's going to be something that's going to be on that white page, on that printed page.
2: Are you asking me or Sonia? I'm
1: at. Sorry, I'm asking you.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, so if something's going to live online exclusively and I know that it'll never get printed, um, I mean, I'll put colors in there that I never otherwise use. Like, you can see this thing. I, I made it for, you know, Pisacon. So it's being shown in this medium, which means I'm just having a love affair with cyan, uh, because like that does not print great, you know. Or yeah. uh, it, it's hard to get a lot of form in that, or make it light enough or dark enough. Um, uh, there's certain greens and reds that are really hard to get across on the page. Uh, yeah. and so like just using really high, fun, vibrant colors, I think. Uh whatever printer paizo uses does a really good job of retaining a lot of that, but it is also just like when you have light showing through a monitor, you have a different uh spectrum of color that you're actually working with, like um you just can't get that on a physical page um yeah. so when I'm working for you know for printed work uh i I keep that in mind, you know, and I make sure like the colors I'm using are colors that are actually able to be printed uh or you know at at the end of a painting i go and check and see like how it changes and then try and retune it so that it does work uh printed
1: yeah it's just so hard to tell sometimes you know like (laughs) i know that there's been plenty it's funny because you know as you first were a freelance artist for us and then also this, the different freelancers that we hire, you know, there's, I'm sure there's always that initial when you get your contributor copy in and you're like, you know, is this what? Uh, oh, know, boy,
2: this is gray darker. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember I, I, I used to email you guys a lot like, hey, do you have any like color settings? And it's just no, you don't like <laughs> it just takes practice. And like getting your contributor copies in and seeing how they turn out. A lot of my stuff used to print really dark until I figured out that, uh, the room I was working in, the room was itself was dark. So my monitor was really bright. And so I was painting stuff incredibly dark. And as soon as it went out in the book or even just looking at it, you know, on my phone in a different room, I'd realize how, how dark the whole thing was. Um, one, one good way to check that is like, you know, as I'm painting here, you can see that palette in the upper right hand corner. Uh, you can see the little circle where it bounces around. I'm just always color selecting and making sure that that lives, that color lives in an area that, you know, if it is dark, it's supposed to be within a certain range. And if it is light, it's supposed to be within another. So that it's not, yeah. you know, if it's always like halfway down, I need to bring some of those, those lights up. And there's tools within Photoshop like levels and stuff that you can use to adjust, but it's it's best to do it on the front end as you're going. So, right here in the painting, I'm just trying to uh, do a little bit of storytelling with the textures in the wing. Um, You know, maybe in the joint, it's a little bit frozen over, and uh, maybe the cold is actually a part of its anatomy in some sense. Um, And so, uh, bringing that across, also just bring interest and detail into an area that, you know, is not the primary focus, but if you look there, you still want to see something interesting. Yeah. Also bumping up some of the darks in here to really push the form through the body. Are we getting uh, any questions? Do people there is a, a ask question?
0: There is a question. <laughs> there is a question there is a question about um, in response to what you said about seeing your work printed, it says yikes on what it ended up looking like when you got to see the final product or still to this day
2: oh to this day everything is is great i i think you know either i or i though i haven't figured out it's probably a combination of the both but i see my stocks now like i it's just the whole thing's in education i didn't even consider when i first started painting professionally that like people have different monitors and monitors are made by different companies and people are working within different uh lighting situations and uh uh, that something could turn out, not the way you want it to look. Um, it's definitely working now. I see a so, question. So, uh,
1: uh... go ahead, Adam. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was just gonna say that they're asking about if we have a test printer in the office. And when we were in the office, we do have printers that we test on, but they're not anywhere near the level that um, the commercial printers that do for us. And we get uh, proofs back from them before this go- one that we view digitally. And then we also get one that is sent to us before everything is fully done. And at that point, it's pretty much set. But if there's anything really bad or glaring, we can usually go back and change if it absolutely needs to to happen. So, but, uh, Sorry, Sonia, uh, I'll let you get back in. Oh,
0: it's fine. It's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, is there a monster, Kent, that you do not like drawing?
2: Uh, you know, this might actually surprise people. Um, I really don't like drawing dragons. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of artists have an idea of what a dragon looks like, and I, I have spent no time figuring out what a dragon looks like to me. Um, but it's also one of those things as a fantasy artist, like once you paint a dragon, that's your dragon. So uh, yeah, and also like just the fact that there's such a wide variety you know, there's a lot of ideas in how dragons are drawn or painted. You know, some have really like acts like faces. Others look like crocodiles. Uh, I just, I don't know. I haven't figured out one that looks right to me. So I don't spend a lot of time working on it either, which probably means I'm going to get a whole assignment here just drawing dragons. (laughs) Well, then,
1: then, then you'll get your dragon, man.
2: You'll, then you'll then I'll
1: figure it out.
2: <laughs> no, I've always been interested in maybe making them look like uh, like uh, whale skulls. If you look at, Ooh. like, a whale, their skull looks nothing like uh, what their fleshy, final form looks like. And I, I think totally. I read that a lot of, like, reason why dragons exist around the world kind of as this uh you know this idea that uh came up everywhere completely separately is that they found these whale skeletons washed up on the beach and if you look at them they have these rib cages and these long tails and these wing-like structures and these uh you know dragon-like faces uh
1: yeah that's Pretty interesting. You
2: wouldn't wouldn't necessarily think that one of these things swims. And then also, sailors would see things swimming out in the ocean and not knowing that, like, they blew water out of their blowhole. You know, that catches the sun and it looks like fire out on the water. So Uh, I I think also, I'm also a scuba diver. So, like, anything nautical (laughs) uh, really makes me happy. So.
1: All right. Well, the people are demanding a a book of dragons from you, Kent. So I think that (laughs) whale option might be the way to go, dude. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I'll put some time into it. I guess whale dragon after the game. What do you think this
1: creature right here? Do you think this would fit more within Pathfinder or maybe within Starfinder? It's giving me Starfinder Uh, for some reason.
2: You know. What's funny is it was giving me Starfinder vibes too because of the color. Everything in Starfinder yeah. is so saturated in that really wonderful way. Um, yeah. I think that is actually one of the things that I love about like themes and demons is like both. You know, <laughs> like they work everywhere um, totally. because they don't necessarily need technology to be sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, but let's say fantasy because I think last Pizocon Pe- I did something. Uh, I did something for Starfinder, which actually is funny. Last PaizoCon, it was also something Frozen. So uh, I, put, uh, I put both of them next to each other in my portfolio. And uh, they're surprisingly similar, you know, color palette. So <laughs> I need to work on uh, some originality there. Uh, well, you know, it fits within the world. So. I was, I was totally uh, inspired by Paizo's colors as well. <laughs>
0: Someone wants to know if you took any anatomy classes.
2: Oh yeah. As part it's of your fine. studies. I won't get too into it but like uh I mean studying actual corpses and seeing them in person and understanding like uh how all the anatomy actually works on a human body. Um that was that was actually my favorite part of my education was learning all about that and interacting with it and um you know once you find out that was looking at dead people (laughs) (laughs) in a sense (laughs) but like learning learning about you know anatomy is so interesting and learning all like what each muscle does and why they you know why a person who is strong looks strong and like uh why certain parts of anatomy like you know why somebody with really big shoulders look strong is because to actually make those muscles strong takes a certain kind of exercise, and that is reflected in the shape. and uh, but also just realizing that like all different animals, you know as long as they're not an insect or something underwater, everything has all the same muscles' just squashed and stretched in all these different you know shapes. So like yeah. de- designing something like a demon, it's like I'm still putting a deltoid in there. I'm still putting a bicep in there. Like it's just whether or not it's small or large or. uh, And yeah, I mean, working on on dead stuff right now for Geb. Like you better believe that I'm enjoying drawing dead bodies. <laughs> oh, well, this is a. So this I- at the end is. Yeah. Just showing a quick idea of what the process was. Uh, Just a really quick sketch all the way to the left, the more refined sketch on top of that, and then the the final painting all the way to the right. Um, And yeah, that's my process. Uh, So good. So, this is, yeah, that's what the uh, video is for the rest of the panel. Um, If people have questions, happy to answer. so that's the uh, PaizoCon 2021 online monster. I think if, if anybody's interested uh, in coming up with a name for it, they should.
1: Oh yeah, that should be the th- next
2: one of the next polls. What were the props on this one again, Kent? What were the winners for it? It was Fiend, Wings, Freezing, and Smokey. So at the very end, I, I put Smokey in. Just really subtly, because uh, that's another thing I like to play with in design. Is like just because an art brief says like you know this thing should be on fire, it, it doesn't mean it should be like horribly engulfed in flames. And you know the the number one thing that you'd be noticing, it could just be an element that is adding to it. Yeah. Um So the fact that it just has this kind of smoky mist kind of creates sort of a a lore to it that is really interesting.
1: Totally. It's like it's almost so cold. It's like, you know,
2: it's like like liquid nitrogen there.
1: Yeah, 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 coming off of it. You know, it's like I could see this. It could go from, this could be a Pathfinder monster in some crazy ice cave and then into the future, you know, (laughs) they reemerge. Having a completely different name. Yeah, out on different planets now, you know, terrorizing across the galaxy. It can go both ways, I think. So pretty awesome, man. So one of the
0: questions we have is um, how different, hard, or easier is an art piece compared to a flip map or an AP map? Um, I think that the answer to that is it depends on the artist. I mean, if, if what you know and what you do is maps, then probably the same amount of difficulty for um someone who does characters or that's what they know it's just about what you do what your thing is
2: yeah
1: your specialty
2: you know yeah i mean when when i'm assigning books i also try and uh play to people's strengths so there's people who do just wonderful jobs painting monsters and aliens and stuff like that but the second you give them a real person to paint they struggle like real people to people who are really good at that. And then monsters to people who are very good at that. Like even, even things that seem relatively close trying to play to people's strengths in that way. is really kind of fun actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Another question we've got is uh, what were you, what were your thoughts when you uh, did the tail of the creature?
2: Oh, Uh, you know, it just started as shapes. I think it just, well, so it's one of the things I like about drawing is, uh, you know, even the word drawing means draw, like you're pulling this thing out of the page. And so sometimes it's almost this roll track test of uh, you, you accidentally make a line and you see something and it inspires you and in what to draw next. Um, so I think I just had it hooked up because it seemed right for the composition. And I thought about, you know, the design opportunity of what that could be. Maybe this is something that goes around and snatches people up off the ground and cradles them as they get pulled away. It's uh, a baby. Every, I mean, it's a baby snatcher. Ice fiend.
0: <laughs> then uh, one of the names that they came up with is perfect. Cuddle Bunny.
2: There we go. There you go. That's, actually, <laughs> or, that's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that uncanny contrast, that's so creepy. Nope, The video just heard it again.
1: <laughs> what is it? I thought these were abandoned concepts, maybe. No,
0: no. Uh, okay, here's one for you, Kent. Have you ever seen your art put on a pawn that was cropped in a way that hurt your soul? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, no. I I think when I've done stuff that's for pawn, um, I've always known, and I've been very intentional about the... Uh, the composition to make sure that it worked <laughs> um no i have had stuff put into books that uh has been flipped and so i'm seeing it completely new for the first time and i that has hurt my heart but
1: yeah i think that kind of hits on a lot of people you know sometimes it's, it's a, the way it those that has to fit the placement you know <laughs> try to look yeah there's always going to be a side that they prefer and you can never a hundred percent know until you're actually in the layout stage. So,
2: you know, yeah. So that's why everything I paint now is perfectly symmetrical. I'm looking directly at the viewer. <laughs> uh,
0: one of the questions we have is, will this art be posted to the blog? I'm not sure. Um, I will talk to the team and see if we can get it up there. Um, I think it'd be very cool. If we do that um i will try to make that happen um i don't know can do you have the twitch chat open can you see the names they're coming up with for your creature this are pretty good ones
2: oh the cryo demon <laughs> is actually pretty good that was the most recent post yeah there's some good ones in there
0: <laughs> yeah ice crag fiend vapor demon
2: Uh,
1: we have another question of the uh can do you ever get any of your hands confused you often make art of a character and realize you made them left-handed or right-handed by mistake
2: i don't think i've ever done that no I've, um, I've uh, if, that, if, if that's a problem for you, like, you have <laughs> really good reference right in front of you. Just look at your own hands and it'll help you figure that out.
0: With uh, well, the art team, uh, the, there's a question if the Pathfinder 2 and the Starfinder art team are totally separate or if they cross over. Um, we work on everything. We completely cross over. We are a very small team and we all do everything. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah, I think there's a a little bit of a, of a, of a at least in my case, I was a little more focused on Starfinder, but I. Sure, we have primary. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We have primary focus, but, but we all work on everything.
1: Yeah, when duty calls, it goes <laughs> it goes all the way open. So, but yeah, I think each of us have a little bit of a specialty, though. Uh, Kent, do you uh,
0: work on the shape of the art making considerations for the layout or do you just kind of do whatever?
2: Uh, I definitely don't do whatever. Um, I know when something's on the page there are certain things that we try and avoid uh, like a spear shooting out in one direction because that's going to be hard to wrap the text around or wings that are taking up the whole page or anything like that. So I do cr- try and make the entire silhouette a sort of composition of its own, uh, just so that it'll fit nicely on the page. Um, yeah, I think a starfish would probably be the worst thing that you could put into one of our books. I think that's a
1: concern that we all have with the artists, and try to talk to them to make sure that they are taking the page uh, operation but you know sometimes it just people get really into what they're doing or it just is that's how it works out and then that kind of comes into whoever's doing layout they get to have the creative part of how to get that to fit and work and if certain parts need to be cropped or changed a little bit you know to be able to make it fit within the book so kind of a back and forth process sometimes yeah uh
0: can't you you went to art school right you're not self-taught
2: yeah i went to uh art center college of design and i studied entertainment design so did exactly okay. what i'm doing now <laughs> but i guess <laughs> uh i mean i guess self-taught to some extent because i've been drawing since i can pick up a pencil and i have drawings sure you know, that are exactly what I'm doing now, where I draw a creature or something and here's the weapon that it uses off to the side. and Here's the story about uh, uh, where they come from and why they look the way they look. Uh, One of the questions we have
0: is um, approximately how much art is ordered every month. It depends on the month. But <laughs> yeah. it can be it could be anywhere from two hundred to a thousand pieces. It really depends on what we're working on. Um, if we're ordering, like sometimes we have to order two hardcovers at the same time, and so that you know you, you've seen our hardcover, so you can imagine how many pieces we have to order for that. Um, and some then some months, you know, we're just ordering for some aps, and you know that's more in the hundreds. So. Um, Let's see what else
1: we got here. And then that's about, you know, that can be from 40 to 200 artists that are being commissioned at any time too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all different <laughs> all different through. languages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then critiquing and getting back and forth and then working with the developers. And it yeah. can get pretty crazy sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, what kind of cool outside products projects do you work on and does Adam still do album covers etc you guys want to talk about that I'm currently not doing any outside work Um, I used to do a lot of outside work but I'm too busy to do that now so I try not to take any more freelance projects so I don't go crazy Um, I don't know you guys want to
1: during the pandemic I kind of slowed that down a little bit too but I actually just did complete um, some cool silkscreen posters and a new album cover, too. So,
2: mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Adam, your silkscreen posters are... It's some, Adam's, Adam's art is some of my favorite art. And, I like, that most recent silkscreen that you put out, me like, too. I really cannot wait to have it actually right here in front of me while I'm working.
1: Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm excited to get it done, too. So, you know. Um, we'll see, but unfortunately, I can't really talk much about it. But, uh, yeah, always trying to stay busy, one way or another, or at least you know, <laughs> keeping your mind, you know, focused on something. Uh, so, what's the best way for someone
0: to get into making art for Paizo? Um, uh, the best way is to email us at artsubmissions at paizo.com. Um, it gets sent to sarah the uh, creative design director and myself and then we go through them all and reach out to people that's the best way um if you see us at a con and you have your portfolio you're welcome to show it to us um, i'm always happy to look over portfolios and, and give suggestions and you know critiques uh, that's really the best way though is to email us at artsubmissions at paizo.com
2: I think think also also just make sure. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, Just make sure your art looks like our art. You know, if you want to put your work in our books, make sure it's you know not uh, a totally different style or you know just line and drawing kind of art. Like, look at our characters, look at how they're painted, and try and you know do some studies. That's
1: exactly what I was gonna say. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: here's another question do redraws come up a lot or just once in a while to fit the theme better Um, kent you want to take that one since you're usually the one that has to do do you feel like you have to do a lot of redraws yeah uh
2: less and less um i think you know oftentimes we catch stuff pretty early uh just in early phase drawing but you know if there's something that's changed in the rules or in the description, uh I'll come in and I'll work over something or uh, oftentimes we just reach back out to the artist and say, "Hey, can you change this um, i I don't know that happens too often because it's just part of the process as well It's like when we get that first sketch from the artist, we say you, you know usually, hey, this is great, or hey, we want this uh this thing changed,
0: right, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, here's another question for Kent. Uh, do you have to do research for the art you make? Maybe more monster-based on real-world mythology?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, I do research constantly, just either by, uh, you know, being out in the real world and getting inspired by things that are out there, but also just, like, learning about, you know, if, if we're doing something that is a monster that is all coral. I'm not going to just draw that based off of my imagination. I'm going to look up at, like, what is coral? How does it work? Why does it look the way it looks? And, you know, what colors are it? Uh, Yeah, it's actually part of the fun of the job is researching that.
1: I got to say real quick, I see a quick question. Asking about if we're at a con, and if we ever want to be able just to walk around artist alley without uh, people, without people thinking we're either there to try to hire them or scope stuff. And yes, <laughs> there's sometimes where uh, I, I like to try to take a quick break where I can take my shirt off and, and just uh, so nobody knows it so they don't get self conscious or I get like weird where I just really just want to go look at cool artwork and there's nothing behind that other than just being a fan, you know? So sometimes, yeah, I always, whenever I'm at a con, I always try to get at least a 10 minute little window where I can just go pop over and just enjoy and, and look at what people are doing without any anything else beyond it other than just the enjoyment of looking at artwork. So. Yeah, I'm with
0: I'm with Adam, so it's it's harder now that I've been with Paizo for so long that to not be recognized even without the Paizo shirt, so. Um it's just the way it is.
2: <laughs> Put on the fake glasses and mustache and
0: you're right. Uh <laughs> do we does PISO have robust data backups? Yes. We back up both on D V D and the cloud. So um hopefully, fingers crossed, we won't ever lose anything. <laughs> Uh, do we recycle art, or is it always new? Uh, we pretty much always use new art. Um, we did recycle a lot of art for the card game, uh, especially the first sets. Um, we pulled a lot of art from our library of art. Um, but the further we got, the more art we had to order as we got into it, because we had less art to pull from. Um, but, we, yeah, we pretty much try to order new art for everything we can. Um
1: And also, real quick, right before we end, uh, we got to give a big shout out to Sarah, Emily, Tony, and Kyle. Those are the rest of the art team that also do tons of heavy lifting.
2: Everything. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. So um, thank you for coming to our panel. Um, Up next is Tales of Lore, uh, exploring the Mwangi um see the mwangi expanse we're showing off the mwangi expanse like never before and giving you a look at its ancestries cultures geography and adventures learn all about lost omens mwangi expanse book and the strengths of thousands adventure path which i also worked on and it's super cool so (laughs) get ready for that it's gonna be super rad um and we're gonna be um in a discord channel uh the Art of Paizo. So if you if you all want to come over there and ask us some more questions, we can cover some stuff that was asked in, in the Twitch chat that we didn't get to. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for attending our panel.
1: Yep. Thanks, everybody. Yeah.
2: Thank you. <laughs>